to know a podcast dedicated to the marvel cinematic universe and everything you need to know i'm trey i'm jude how you doing trey i am doing fantastic we are back for another face-to-face podcast wow yeah right wait this is episode 15 so this is two in a row it is two in a row yeah yeah and so peek behind the curtains, <laughs> we're recording these out of order, but we're taking advantage of the fact that we are in the same place. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be doing Yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're going to be doing in this episode is we've been really enjoying our Daredevil discussion, but we realized that that has gated off people who haven't been watching Daredevil alongside. So one of the things we want to start incorporating in the future is some of these more topic-based, shorter episodes. Right. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, we're going to see if we can come in under that, that you know, hour plus time. Yeah. I think 45 minutes is the mark we set for ourselves. Uh, and we'll see what happens. I think we can do it. I think so. I think we can nail we're, it. We are somewhat professional podcasters. We got this. Hey, what is it, episode 15? Episode 15. That's we should be practiced. That's professional to me. Uh, I do want to go ahead and say this, though. Uh, today's topic we have decided is what to expect in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and what to expect in Black Widow. So uh, just to kind of discuss our spoiler policy here, a lot of our discussion is going to be influenced by speculation, fan theories, uh, some set photos. Uh, So if you're trying to go into either of these experiences blind, this might not be the episode for you. Um, So this will be your warning to kind of turn around now if you're trying to keep that untarnished. Uh, One of the things I find interesting is like I went through this whole phase of like trying to avoid trailers after the initial one mm-hmm. and now with the podcast we'll see how that goes uh because i feel like i had to do some research for this episode which led me down the rabbit hole of fan theories leak set photos and those types of things um and so i'm trying to mentally prepare as we do this and maybe people react uh because we want the engagement and what people might post to us mm-hmm. on the mc you need to know uh twitter and instagram feeds mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know, now that you mentioned that, it's so funny because I think I remember going into this year, or maybe even before, because we we started laying down the idea of us doing a podcast like middle of last year, I think. I think so. Yeah. I remember you saying like, I'm not going to watch any of the trailers anymore. And then shortly after I said, let's do this podcast. And I think that probably <laughs> right. went out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there's just so much good content out there anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to um, avoid it. Yeah. I mean, it could honestly be a, a podcast episode on its own about how far you want to go down that rabbit hole of like, what, what's the line of fan theories versus basically being spoiled? Right. Yeah. Well, and I, we're going to save this, but it also, I think, goes into should you watch the trailers and do that or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've both listened to a podcast. Um, you sent it to me. Who? Culturally relevant. Right. Like David Cult- Chin. Right. Culturally relevant. Culture- Right. (laughs) Culturally relevant. I'm going to get that name right. Culturally relevant. I'm going to go out on that limb with you. I was shocked I nailed it on the first try because I got scared (laughs) midway through it. (laughs) But they had a really they had a really good discussion on on there. And and I I admit, like I was swayed both ways Mm -hmm. uh, during that um, during that podcast. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we are going to go ahead and jump into this. So we're going to start off with what to expect in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, the first thing that I am going to jump in with is that I am really excited about the return of Zemo. Uh, I think Daniel Brühl was fantastic in the role and he's one of the few Marvel villains, uh, to actually succeed in their plan of splitting the Avengers. Um, 
you know, we've already talked about how Marvel's kind of fallen into this trap of introducing a villain and having that villain gone right. in the same movie. Yeah. So pairing his return with the fact that he was successful is has me really excited to see what they're going to do story-wise with him. It really does. Well, if I remember right, there was a quick clip with him, I think at a Comic-Con, mm-hmm. and he had the... Um, the purple ski mask. Yeah. You know, that comic book accurate. Um, in fact, they even called him Baron Zemo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Feige himself called him Baron Zemo, which they didn't have that name Baron in Civil War. Nope. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, that's the other thing I'm excited about is that Captain America, Sam Wilson, comic accurate. I've seen some places where I don't think everybody loved it. Uh, I did. Um, so I'd like to see... Um, him in that the wings the shield um I, i'm excited for that yeah because i think we have seen some teases about his new look in i think when not was it comic-con last year it was some convention last year there was like a little promotional material that they showed they uh-huh. had some for one division they had some for falcon yeah. Winter soldier and you could see both bucky and sam's updated costumes but i don't think it's the final design that we've seen yeah. Uh, which I'm assuming you're hoping for with right. the wings and the shield. Yeah, they were at they were at San Diego Comic Con last year. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they had with Endgame and Infinity War they were not. They just went to D23 and all right. had it in house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is they were there because they had the whole lineup mm-hmm. where they introduced uh, the Disney Plus shows and WandaVision, Blade, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be really cool. And 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 like you said, I don't think. Anybody was expecting that he would drop the wings in favor of the shield. But we had that question about, you know, obviously uh, Steve Rogers was a superhuman. So what is what is Sam bring to the table? The fact that he gets to keep those wings in the costume, I think, is going to add a cool dynamic of the wings plus shield. Right. I would. I'm with you on that. We talked about it in the other episode. I feel like he has to keep the wings um, because he doesn't have the super soldier. Yeah. Serum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My next point. Uh, is one of the things that I'm hoping and what I'm expecting is we'll see this return to the Sokovia Accords. Uh, I believe this was a question of the week we had a few weeks ago about um, is that a a storyline we want to see them continue to pull through? And I I think we are going to see that conversation be brought up again. Um, With Infinity War and Endgame, well, not even Infinity War because Ross was in there kind of like threatening to arrest Steve, but it didn't really matter because there was much bigger details going on. Right. right. But in game and far from home, you know, there's no mention of the Sokovia Accords as far as I can remember. Um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the first Disney Plus show that we're getting stars two of the big uh, characters from Civil War, which is where Sokovia Accords was brought up. So I think... Yeah having them and the villain from that movie is going to set us up to, to bring that yeah. back into the forefront. Well, what I find interesting is cap passed on the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, but neither Sam nor Bucky signed the accords. Right. You know, so to not have that play some kind of a factor, I just don't see Marvel doing that. They're so well interconnected, uh, that I, I'd, I'd be shocked. And especially because if you don't, bring back this lingering discussion about the accords it almost gives this feeling of then what was the point 
like why why have the avengers fight over this split up potentially doom the universe yeah. because they were split up yeah. to not have it come back into discussion right. well i'm going to take my cue from far from home mm-hmm. i mean they dug all the way back to a side character in <laughs> iron man you know to to be part of mysterio's group yeah uh your favorite winter soldier they needed a someone in you know the government to be hydra so they went back to iron man 2 and grabbed um that senator mm-hmm. uh congressman senator i can't remember I it think was, it was a senator it was senator uh was it stern senator stern i have my favorite movie i should know this yeah i'm gonna have to look that up uh <laughs> but i mean they, they went back and grabbed him you know and, and so they're always mining you know previous movies mm-hmm. um so that's why i say i'd be shocked if the Sokovia accords doesn't come into play even if it's not in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, I, I think it will be. But even if it's not, I, I agree with you. It's something I'm sure will come back into play. And I will say this, playing off your point about how far from home, you know, reach back. One of the things that I always found humorous, and I, I think I kind of teach you about this a few weeks ago, is, you know, Team Iron Man, Team Cap. It was always funny to me. Stark all the way. Uh, it was always funny to me that, you know, Tony was arguing for the fact that they needed to sign the Accords but his ringer that he brought into the airport fight was somebody who didn't, didn't sign, sign the accords, accords. Yeah. and he still hasn't signed the accords in far from home. So right. there's lingering questions about, like you said, with Sam and Bucky mm-hmm. not signing it, Peter Parker not signing it, you know. So if we want to go down that far from home rabbit hole, right, he like he's at that fundraiser yeah. with Aunt May and out in the open. They could have had him sign it off screen, but I don't think they would do that. Yeah, it's too big of a point not to have that be a scene. Right. Um, and, and just the, the final point in this is another one of the things that we talked about a few weeks ago is how much we admire the the way the MCU takes into consideration collateral damage. Yes. And the whole crux of the Sokovia Accords was collateral damage. So to bring that up and then not continue that moving forward uh, would just be a upset. A huge oversight. Yeah. Yeah. So from our next point, uh, one of the things that I'm really excited for and expecting to see a continuation of is Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie have developed such an incredible on-screen chemistry in such a very short time. Like, right. I, I know we didn't know it when Civil War was out, but that scene where they're in the car watching Steve and Sharon was everything I needed to know that their chemistry yeah. needed their own show. Right. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I even remember jokes about like a quote-unquote buddy cop movie with oh, yeah. with yeah. Sam and, and yeah. Bucky. Yeah, it was there. And then that one part was like, why didn't you do that sooner? I hate you. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm 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 excited to see more of that relationship continue on screen. Right. Uh, and I wish I would have been able to find this quote. I couldn't find it, but I remember either a showrunner or some creative lead for Falcon and the Winter Soldier was talking about how the, one of the opportunities they have with the Disney Plus show is you know if you just tell stories about them going out there and, and it's action oriented. Um, you know, that's one thing, but now they have the time to see those characters go home and learn more about who they are. Right. So the fact that both Sam and Bucky are going to get more of this backstory filled is exciting as well. Right. What I'm, what I'm hoping to see out of, out of those two, uh, and you're right on the relationship that they had. Um, but what I'm really hoping to see out of those two are in particular, Sam is this reluctance to take on the Captain America mantle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know U.S. agent or super Patriot's going to be in it. I'm not sure what they're going to call him in this one. Yeah. Uh, the actor is, and you looked it up. Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell. Um, and so I have this feeling like they're going to, like Sam will probably be approached. Like I, I'm wondering if they're going to get around the Sokovia Accord of saying like, 
kind of the way Stark wanted Cap to sign and said, we can make this all legit if you just sign in kind of the same way. It's like, hey, you know, why don't you sign? Um, we can give you, make you a super soldier. And he's reluctant to, to go down that path. I like that a lot. I didn't think about that in terms of the the if you sign, we can make you a super soldier because uh, I, I personally don't think Sam would sign. Yeah, I don't think so either. And that refusal of the super serum will be because we like we said, one of the biggest questions we're seeing so far is like, how do you replace Steve when you're not a super soldier? And if Sam makes that active choice. Right. That is that is great storytelling because we already know he's going to have that burden of living up to, you know, the the mantle of Cap. Of right. Cap. And yeah. so that I'm excited. You just made me really excited. I hope that becomes yeah. a plot line that they yeah. explore. Yeah, I feel like it is. If you're going to have those two in and you're going to tie in the Sokovia Accords, I feel like that's a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I, I mean, this is playing well. But one of the, the points that I had for my number my number three uh, expectation is I like that we're going to get to explore the ramifications of Cap being retired, uh, Steve Rogers being retired. I like that it's not Sam doing this alone. He's going to be going through this with someone who was close to Cap and knows what it's like to be ostracized and on the run. Uh And so that that pairs well with what you're laying down as well. Well, you you mentioned that on the run. I'm curious. One of of my other points was I was glad to see Emily Van Camp. Um, coming back to play mm-hmm. Sharon Carter again. And she helped cap Falcon Winter Soldier in Civil War being on the run. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to, is that the role she's going to continue to play mm-hmm. for them? Um, or as a government employee, is it going to be, is she the one that's going to ask him or try to talk him into, again, that's speculation on my part. Um, but you can do a lot of things with, I think, her character there. That's I. That's really exciting, uh, especially knowing that pre-Spider-Man acquisition, she had a larger role in Civil War. Uh, I know that obviously yeah. won't influence what they do, but I'm sure they had plot lines that they could bring into Falcon and the Winter Soldier that didn't get to play out. In oh, I'm Civil sure so. War. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, these lead in really well to what my fourth um, expectation. Wait, before you say that, can I say one last yeah, thing about the the is in regards to Sharon Carter? Uh-huh. I am in the Russo brothers camp of the in-game timeline, which is well, OK, because there was this controversy about Cap kissing her in Civil War. Yeah. Right. And if you go with Eminem and their Cap goes back and is with Peggy uh-huh. Carter, then it's like, oh, you kissed your grandniece? Yeah, that sucks. And so <laughs> so that's that's another argument. For, that's not my only argument, but that's another argument for me being in the Russo Brothers camp of saying that was a separate timeline. I think you just neutered, because you and I, right after Endgame, we had a like extensive text message conversations about how the time travel was handled and i was in the camp that it wasn't alternate timelines it was loops because they specifically like the ancient one specifically lectured them about how they had to close the loop right and my idea was that cap without needing to return things back in order is a perfect loop because he spent a lot of that time frozen so he could just kind of like yeah i I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again because i'll (laughs) go for hours talking about time travel well that's that's an episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I want to argue that anymore, because if 
that's the case, then you're right. Cap kissed his grandniece, and I I don't want to argue for that. <laughs> you just neutered every. I spent like thirty minutes texting you, and I just I regret it now. <laughs> I <didn't>... <laughs> just 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 saying. All right. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> I feel gross now. Uh, so anyway, as I was saying, uh, getting to my next my expectations for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, we kind of discussed it a little bit already, but you know, Sam Wilson as Captain America. So not to rehash the whole topic about being the super soldier serum. Um, but you know, the thing that made Captain America who he was is that he was never the strongest, smartest or fastest. He was a symbol of what we should strive to be. Uh, that's what Cap's superpower was. He wasn't a perfect soldier, but a good man. Right. So, you can even take that even further in the real world because we've had these conversations about I think we had them off podcast, but we've yeah. about what Marvel's role when it comes to like political statements. Right. And we're seeing here in the real world a lot of ugliness that's coming to light with racial inequalities. Um, they have a real opportunity here with Sam to to make a statement about how anyone who's willing to be uh, righteous, uh, a good moral character can be that Captain America role. And I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to add to that, just because I, I think you're, you're 100% right, because when you go to uh, Captain America First Avenger, mm-hmm. that was the thing that stood out about Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. And we see that, I think, with Sam Wilson all the way through from the moment they met mm-hmm. in Winter Soldier to now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, he's... He is a person who is going to do what's right yeah. because it's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the whole crux of Winter Soldier is Nat and Steve didn't know who they could trust. Right. So they turned to, to Sam, Sam and he, without a hesitation, is like, yeah, come in. He's like, I'll, yeah. I'll make you breakfast if you're into that yeah. sort of thing. And so yeah. it's like he's been that good character from the get go. And that's what I think makes the refusal of the super serum that you were talking about so much more heightened because it continues on that spirit of Captain America is, is, is an ideal version of what we all should strive to be. And it could be, it could, it takes the form of any person. Yes. Yes. Well, and they can show the struggle. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, like it probably won't be easy to turn it down Yeah, because you don't want to let cap down and Mm -hmm. figure this would help. Yeah. Yeah. So my final expectation uh, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is we track this in Daredevil where we talked about the idea of a show that was written to be binged and a show that is, uh, you know, more standalone on its own week to week. Um, I'm this is this is Disney Plus first genuine test. You know, I know we've had The Mandalorian, but that was very hyper focused on its uh episodic storytelling like there was no arching story no there really wasn't from week to week it was just kind of like vignettes so i feel like there's the spectrum of daredevil which was you needed to watch all at once right or mandalorian where you can kind of really jump in at any point and it's going to be real interesting to see disney plus meet this test in the middle Mm -hmm. and see if they can tell one cohesive story over six episodes i feel like they can Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going off of watching the last season of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. That was week to week, and it was not episodic. 
Um, it was in two parts. Like the first couple of epi- first couple of episodes was like one storyline, and the last couple of episodes was another storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in that way, it was week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, now what they did do is I think they dropped either the last one early or the last two together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. But part of it also, I think what sped that up was all the COVID right stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that changed plans a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot seems to be writing on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, at the rate things are going right now, not only is it going to be the first property in Phase 4, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot with Sam becoming Captain America, which was yeah. one of the most popular characters, I think, in the original saga. Um, and like we said, a, a chance for Disney Plus to show what they're going to bring to the table with these episodic right. stories. So to wrap up Falcon and Winter Soldier, let me end on my question. Um, is the Disney Plus, this one in particular, but all Disney Plus shows, um, is do you think these as themselves should be treated like an intag? Or do you think the last episode, episode six of Falcon and Winter Soldier would have its in credit scene that ties into the next thing? Man, that is a really good question. Um, my gut response is that I'd rather episode six be the one to have the like in tag feel, like a okay. post credit scene. Uh, I, I, we've seen speculations that the way that Disney wants to handle these is we're not going to see Falcon and Winter Soldier 2, season two. We'll see it can be those characters, but it could be something new like Captain America in the Winter Soldier. Like they could right. change it. So it's not it's not going to be like a season one, season two, season three thing. So the reason that I like saving that in tag for season six is you can lay tracks for what comes next, regardless if it's the movies or if it's whatever right. comes next okay. for those characters. Right. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Part of me wants them to keep the intags. For each episode? Not each episode, but like the end of the series, there's an end tag for, say, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like at the end of Black Widow, an end credit scene for something else. Yeah. I kind of hope they keep that up mm-hmm. with the Disney Plus shows. Um, I understand if they don't. Yeah, but I, I kind of hope they keep that up. Yeah, it's t- it's too much of a t- tradition to not do at this point. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically our rundown of what we're excited for and expecting in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, which is going to lead us straight into what we are expecting in Black Widow. Um, my first expectation is throughout. I mean, we've maybe even talked about it on podcast, but throughout everything leading up to Black Widow before COVID changed plans is it is I'm genuinely intrigued by the fact that Marvel's kicking off phase four with a prequel. Right. Which makes me feel um, to step back a little bit, starting off with a prequel with a character that we know has died. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's it's so interesting that they chose to do this. And I have to believe that there's more to it than what we've seen in the trailer so far. Right. I feel bad that Black Widow is getting one movie. Yeah. And I feel like you could have gotten at least two out of that character solo movie. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like you, to me, it would have been nice to even just squeeze this in rather prequel wise after Civil War and before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have really been, I mean, yeah, I realize you can't change that, but I, you know, that, that would have been a really fun way to do it. Yeah. Cause I mean, there is yeah. this huge gap between. Yeah where they left off in Civil War to where we see them pick up again in Infinity yeah. War. Well, and the, the big, like, I go to Ant-Man and Wasp, and that was a prequel mm-hmm. in that you saw Infinity War, it came out after Infinity War and took place 
basically, hours? yeah, like hours before. Is that the shortest war? Yeah, you know. <laughs> but and so in, in some ways you've seen it before, but that was clearly also propelling in game. Yeah. Whereas this is literally starting something new, an entire phase. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's, I don't know, maybe that's something that could be working against it, um, in terms of fan reception. It, it, well, yeah, because um, we know how volatile uh, fan reactions can be sometimes online. I mean, we've seen it with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, we've seen it with Game of Thrones. Right. Um, and it only is amplified the longer that Marvel has been on this streak where, you know, outside of a few like, uh, that was OK, they really haven't had a huge dud yet. Right. And so it's a lot writing because Natasha, who's deserved a solo film for a while, um, you know, she's finally getting one. She's kicking off phase four. It's dealing with the COVID ramifications, everything being mm-hmm. delayed. And uh, like we said, it's it's a prequel where, yeah. where people know what ultimately happens to her character. Yeah. So Now, being a prequel, um, they keep dropping this, the Budapest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to finally see what that's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, even one of the trailers, one of the big establishing shots was Budapest. So we know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's been a through line that they've kept since the first Avengers. Yeah. So I can't imagine. Marvel at this point has earned their status as being in a non-pejorative way, because I know that gets thrown around a lot. Like, they know how to throw in fan service. They do. Appropriately. And I think exploring Budapest will be that appropriate level of fan service. I think so. Mm -hmm. If if anything, in-game shows us they know how to do fan service. Yeah. It, It really is such a fine line not to keep going back but we could we could draw comparisons of the best and worst way to employ fan service between in-game and star wars rise of skywalker right yeah and so which actually speaking of fan service that kind of leads into my next point because just because i'm expecting this or kind of excited by it doesn't mean that I'm 100% sure this is the right idea if they do it. Okay. But being a prequel, they have the potential for cameos for some of these retired heroes. Yes. Whether it be Tony or Steve, I have a feeling we might see it in some incarnation, whether it's, I mean, because I know contractually, you know, they're done, Mm -hmm. but I can't imagine they won't be referenced somehow. Especially because this takes place in between Civil War and Infinity War. Taking place between Civil War and Infinity War, it would be neat to see Stark or someone in a quick scene, like trying to track her down. Yeah. And her on the run, you know, or her and Cap in that run or where she leaves the group Mm -hmm. and says, I got to go take care of this. Yeah. You know, and just something that quick. Mm -hmm. And Chris Evans is no stranger to cameos being that quick. Yeah. Thor Dark World, Spider-Man, yeah. you know. And it, see, this is why I'm torn between, I, I'm not trying to advocate it being a good thing because I am Captain America fanboy. I'd love for him to show up in any form, but he has had an impressive streak since, I believe, the get-go. He has been in a Marvel movie every year. Since it kicked off. I think so. I think, well, he just, uh, Chris Evans, I think, recently did an interview at the time of this recording saying that he enjoyed his time with Marvel. Um, he misses it. Um, and I think he did 11 films. Mm-hmm. That's half of the Infinity Saga. It is, yeah. Yeah. 
So it'd be cool to see him. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities moving forward to get that that streak of him every year. So one more would be nice, but right. we'll see how they yeah. what they do. And I, and you know what? I just realized that depends too entirely on whether or not this movie comes out this year because of COVID. So that that streak could be ended out of his hands. That is true. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> Uh, so the next thing that I'm going to bring up as something that I, I am excited about is, you know, I've said it a million times. I'm not the biggest comic book fan. Like the medium hasn't stuck with me. Right. So I have no idea who Red Guardian is outside of like cursory Google searches. Okay. And the best description that I've seen so far is that he's essentially Russia's Captain America. Yes. And, you know, I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But speaking of potential larger statements to make, like when we talked about representation with Sam and, and being Captain America, uh, I don't think it's an understatement to say that America's relationship with Russia is complicated right now. That is true. <laughs> uh, and so I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that Red Guardian character in terms of, you know, real world statements they could make. Because we already saw how... Cap continuously had to wrestle with the idea that he no longer believed in what he was created to stand for and instead shifted in placing his belief in systems, shifted from placing his belief in systems to placing his belief in people and friends. Okay. Um, so I want to see if there is any exploration of that with the Red Guardian. Off of what you just said, I'm going to say one of my points I have on the outline, and I could see it going in, in, in either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Rachel Weiss's character, David Arbor, Red Guardian, and William Hurt coming back playing Thaddeus Ross. I feel like one of those three are going to end up being the villain more so than anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't break my heart. Um, and, and mainly my note is, is like those are three big name actors um, and that would give them more than a supporting role. Yeah. Right. And and I said if I was forced to pick, Rachel Weiss would be that villain character. Mm-hmm. Um because I just don't think you get David Arbor as hot as he is right now, just played Hellboy coming off of Stranger Things. Um, you know, the Mr. Clean Super Bowl ads. Like, like you don't get David Arbor for just this one film. Right. So if he's the villain, he survives. Or it's that statement, does he reform? Does he see the error of ways, if there was error of his ways? You know, and and is able to carry on into other films. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just don't think you get David Arbor for one for one. Uh, I mean, I could say the same thing of Rachel Weiss, Mm -hmm. but but if I'm forced between to pick between those two, David Arbor is the one I'm 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 pulling through. Yeah, I mean, because my my final note was going to be literally, I was read it straight. Plus, David Harbor. I sincerely sincerely hope he's here to stay in the MCU long term. Right. When I wrote that, I didn't consider it being a villain. So if that turns out to be true, I'd be upset because right. I I want to see him be a, a, yeah. a good guy. But I guess we'll see what yeah. happens. Well, and the reason why I bring up you know William Hurt Thaddeus Ross is because you know fans have been wanting to see Red Hulk mm-hmm. in Thunderbolt Ross. Red Hulk. He has his team of the Thunderbolts. Yeah. Um. And so one theory, one thought was after, and this actually, I, this theory ties in a little bit into Falcon Winter Soldier, right? Because um, Thunderbolts came in and took the place of the Avengers and I think it was a 1996 run after like Avengers died. Mm-hmm. But then it turned out they were masters of the masters of evil. They were mm-hmm. actually villains just pretending. Um and Baron Zemo was the lead of mm. Masters of Evil. 
That's no coincidence. Right. And so and so in 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 that um, to me, there, there could be a con- connection there. Uh, but I also think like you bring Thunderbolt Ross back and potentially playing again, one of those villain type roles where he believes he is doing the right thing and putting this team together. Yeah. You know, and who knows? Maybe he pairs up with Baron Zemo and that's your intact. Hmm. That's a really good point. So, and I mean, to, and to to keep hammering on that idea about, you know, they're bringing back Ross. It, it's not just that they bring him back. They've brought him back all the way from the Incredible Hulk. If he wasn't as important of a character as as seemingly he is yeah. as for potential setups, they could have just recasted him because it wouldn't have mattered. Right. But they kept him for a reason in one of the movies I think everybody genuinely forgets is yeah. part of the MCU. Yeah. Well, and he showed up briefly in Infinity War. And and yeah, in Civil War. And, yeah. Yeah. So Civil War, briefly in Infinity War, and he was at Stark's funeral. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, is it? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I mean, if you if you've not seen Endgame at this point, why are you listening to this podcast? Go go watch those movies and then come back to us. I'll, hey, man, I know there are some people who haven't watched Daredevil and still listen to us. So that's never. true. That's true. That's true. We did the spoiler warning in the beginning. Though. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to my next point is I think we we talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, yes, it is interesting to me that they're deciding to start off with a prequel but i think it's an incredible move on marvel's part that it it's almost grounding the universe again after the ramifications of endgame and and far from home a little bit it brought the scale back down but it's still peter parker fighting you know right grander right. scales you know uh, natasha romanoff is a spy this is a more right. um, grounded experience and and to continue with that line uh, it'll be nice to kind of see hand-to-hand combat become center stage again for these movies because that's something outside of Captain America we really haven't seen too much of. No, that's true. Uh, I like you brought that up. That is true. Uh, that is something I'm hoping for. I'm with you. It's grounded. In, in doing research for this podcast, I watched a new Rockstars uh, video mm-hmm. in fan theory. And you know, they're, they're one of those that does all kinds of fan theories by doing frame-by-frame things. And so their theory is... After Natasha, again, big time spoilers for in game. So, because I know we already did the spoiler warning, this is huge speculation stuff. So again, yeah, if you want to go huge online, speculation. Okay. After Natasha jumps off an in game, mm-hmm. she realizes she has one more trip with pin particles, uses that, and steals the seven left behind by Cap in in game. Because he took some bottles and left like seven uh-huh. behind. She takes those and then uses those pin particles to clear the red in her ledger and then comes back to finish her sacrifice. Huh. That's his theory. I don't like it because I feel like it cheapens her sacrifice. Yes. Um, but like, you know, in 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 looking at uh frame by frame stuff, you know, she's you zoom in and she's holding these little red things in one of her hands. You know, and even one of the Funko Pop toys, she's holding this little red thing. And it's just like, oh, man, is that what they're doing? I really hope that's not what they do. I I hope not either, because that's so reminiscent of being like, remember being a kid playing with lightsabers and the rule would be like, if you tap the limb of the lightsaber, right. you had to use it. Right. And you would use that. No, I had a force field like yeah. <laughs> response. Yeah. Like, that's what that yeah. would feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I'm really hoping for it to be straightforward grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No time travel shenanigans. I think yeah. you can only do time travel yeah. once a saga. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun theory. <laughs> it, it, I admit it's a fun theory. Um, but seeing that made me think, God, I really hope not. I really hope this is grounded. Yeah. So that's going to lead me into my last point, uh, which I'm glad that you brought up the red in Natasha's ledger. Um, we have a huge potential here, obviously, to explore her history. Um, you know, she has deserved like a solo movie for an incredibly long time. And, you know, Marvel's handling of her hasn't exactly been the best nor consistent. Right. But her growth from Iron Man 2 towards what she becomes in Endgame is incredibly solid. Um, we've seen, I think a good starting point would be in Winter Soldier, we see how she has issues of trusting. You know, she's been this double agent for so long. She has this guilty history. She doesn't know who she can place her allegiance in, but she eventually she gets to the point where, you know, she trusts Cap and Sam, and eventually that grows into the Avengers family. Okay. Uh, to the point in Endgame, she is leading the Avengers. She has found her family, and that's like a big propelling force for her to want to bring everybody back. And the biggest moment is obviously right before her sacrifice in Vormir is when Clint and Natasha are deciding between who's the one to sacrifice themselves. Clint had been set up in that movie to be the one to do it because we saw how he was committing, you know, he was killing bad guys, but unprovoked, he was seeking down and murdering people. Right. So he was like, I I, you know, I'm the one that needs to do this. And Natasha says, I don't judge people on their worst mistakes. You didn't. So that's that full circle of her getting past that whole red in her ledger. Yes. And I hope that whatever her side mission is in between civil war and infinity war is exploring how she came to that catharsis. Right. I, I feel like that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, and I'm going to tie my last note in here. So it looks like they're setting up this passing of the mantle of black widow to this Elena Belova played by Florence Pugh. Uh, most recently, I think she was in, um little women mm-hmm. uh which i i want to see um i think even she did an interview saying like she slightly regrets taking the role because everything she everything she's done up until then has been smaller movies mm-hmm. um and it wasn't like a regretting taking the role but it was just kind of like oh what did i get myself into yeah you know uh fan reaction and, and those types of things um but this character was trained to kill black widow and then eventually they become allies mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, is going back and like saving her from or getting, you know, kind of don't make the mistakes I made is, is part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to play off that, I just saw recently um, it was in the Marvel Studios subreddit. They had brought up uh, a recent interview that Scarlett Johansson did, and it's she has repeatedly referred to black widow as a new franchise and it's interesting that she calls it a franchise because you wouldn't call a solo prequel movie as a one-off a franchise right Right. so i think there is some credence did i say that right credence credence i think there's some credence to your idea about passing the mantle um because you hire a, a big name actor like florence Pugh, um and you set that up and and having that franchise uh being thrown around there's potential there yeah there is yeah yeah i'm gonna save my last point okay to make sure we hit the promise of time and for another episode what lightning round lightning round uh mainly uh 
is Taskmaster really Taskmaster or are we doing Mandarin style? Nailed it. You're under 45. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That'll be that'll be a two on that. And you can respond to us with what you think that'll be. Right. So, of course, uh, as you all know by now, uh, we do like to end with a question of the week. Um, So, Jude, what Disney Plus show do you think will have the largest impact on the MCU moving forward? Okay. This is not the one I'm most excited for. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say Falcon and Winter Soldier. That hurts. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm most excited for WandaVision. Uh, I know. Yeah. Um, but Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think that's going to have the most impact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, we talked a little about this a little bit off the podcast. I was looking at, or thinking about what we know in terms of the movies and how they connect. Mm-hmm. And if WandaVision comes out when they say it does in December, COVID aside, and it ties to Doctor Strange. It doesn't come out until 2022, mm-hmm. March 2022. Mm-hmm. There's just such a big gap to see the payoff where Falcon Winter Soldier, I think, has a bigger... Um, we're going to see the impact of that more immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I feel like they're going to start setting up X-Men mm-hmm. um, through some leaked photos. The Super Soldier thing might get the Weapon X. Well, the weapons... The, the weapons program, X is the Roman numeral 10, and Wolverine was the 10th mm-hmm. one, you know. But I'm I'm thinking we might start seeing the groundworks for that mm-hmm. in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, so yeah, I feel like that's going to have a longer-lasting impact in the short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to say mine anymore because of how you've neutered my feeling about how they handled tra- time travel <laughs> in Endgame. But I'll, I'll jump into it. I will say I chose mine based on the assumption that both of us were going to have the same answer. So for the sake of, of conversation, I, I went a different route. But I do want to touch on WandaVision a little bit. That was going to be my my initial reaction is that I thought WandaVision would be the show to have the most impact on the the, right. the next uh, phase. Right. Specifically because uh, we don't know too much about what WandaVision is going to be about, but we know there's an element of... Um, mind-bendingness to it, and we there's a lot of speculation that is based off the Vision comic book run that happened a few years ago. Yes, um, and basically that story of, of Vision kind of living a domesticated life with a family and so yes. on. And we see hints of that with WandaVision. So, if our theories are correct, and WandaVision is focusing on this time where Wanda is very unstable and creating these multiple timelines and realities. Right whatever rifts she creates there leads into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. And I just can't imagine that when when you start to deal with the multiverse, that's huge ramifications. Oh, it is. So that's why my initial reaction was going to be there, but kind of in a similar vein, the reason I chose Loki is that it feels like the different side of the same coin. Um, again, this is what I was talking about. I was firmly in the loop theory when it came to in-game. Right. Uh, and my reasoning for this was we saw that for most of the cases, Cat closed the loops by returning the Infinity Stones at the right time. But we saw Loki take off with the Tesseract. Yes. And that's what's going to be the basis for his show. And that loop never gets closed off. 
So that's why I think kind of similar how if you mess with the multiverse, that's going to have user implications. Right. If you leave this unclosed loop, right. that's going to be big well, problems. And it's a Loki who has not had the character development after Avengers mm-hmm. of Thor of the Dark World, Infinity War, Thor Ragnarok, you know, um, what else did he show up in? I think you got it. And in, then in, in the beginning of Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're not going to have. Infinity War. No, in Endgame. Where was he? No, 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 you're right. Infinity War. <laughs> Man. What? That's three times. <laughs> I love Endgame. In your defense, it originally was called Infinity War Part 2. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, but all that character development, that this Loki doesn't have that. He's yeah. still psychotic. Mm-hmm. So I, he has a potential to finally live up to that god of mischief name. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that is going to do it. So if you'd like to chime in with which Disney Plus show you think will have the largest impact on the MCU moving forward, or if you even want to tell us some of your expectations for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Widow, you can always reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter or at MCU Need to Know on Instagram. And if you'd like to write us an email, MCU Need to Know at gmail.com. And we'd really appreciate it um, to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify um, or wherever you get your player. That really helps us out and keep the conversation going by sharing with friends. Yeah. We'd also like to give a special thanks to Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song. Uh, He has that and a lot of other great original music over at his SoundCloud, which you can find linked in the description. Yeah, go check it out. So that'll do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Jude. See y'all next week. Did he sign it off screen? Or are we just giving him a Spider-Man a pass because everyone loves Spider-Man mm-hmm. except J. George Jameson? So... As that was dumb on my part. Let <laughs> 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 me. Well, we got it. And just for clarification, you bumped the mic while adjusting in your seat mid conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs>